Hello there and welcome to the Bowden Beat, the podcast on all things Ballyboden St. Enders. My name is Derek Ryan and I'm delighted to be joined on episode 7 of the Bowden Beat by Ballyboden St. Enders new coach and player development manager, Timmy Hammersley. Timmy, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks for having us. So Timmy, you're about four months in the role this stage. You started back in May. How are you finding things so far in the role? Yeah, four months started um, beginning of May. I suppose we had an introduction to our coaching plans and the beginning of june so time has definitely flown uh we had the camps over the summer period we think about 1300 kids at that so you know the period um july and august absolutely flew by and we're now into september and we're ready to kick on with our work in the uh, in the uh, primary schools and specifically big another big remit for us is going to be coach education as well so yeah i think overall the time is absolutely flown um there's plenty 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 uh to do but i suppose for me definitely it's important to be strategic in everything you do as well yeah and i guess the role i mean for people who don't know coach and player development manager what exactly is that role um i know it's probably an evolving role that's something even since you've t- taken it on the past four months what exactly would just the role entail yeah i suppose absolutely it can evolve it can change um it can alter over time i as far as i know like my specific remit is not the exact same as my predecessor uh brian o'regan who was in it for years uh, ultimately, though, I, I think I'd probably boil it down to a few key points and to really ensure that the coaching structures, the structures around our coaching is, you know, as well ran and is progressive and everyone working together, everyone working off the same, a very similar approach, a very similar uh, process and really get get as close to that as as we can. And ultimately, that involves working with all of the uh, coaches in our club, uh, making sure they're they're exposed to adequate and really good coach edu- coach education, and then you know the impact of that then is the experience of our players is is as well and is as progressive as as it can be so i suppose in the title you have two key words you have coaches and you have players but largely you impact the players uh, by really upskilling and developing the uh, coaches within our club so yeah ultimately coach education and structures within our club anything that impacts teams and player and player progression and like that can involve a good few other variables as well for example our strength and conditioning program uh, within the club uh, i don't specifically go, go around to uh to uh, primary schools our gpo uh sean og his remit would be primary schools, but I would be offering and uh, offering a lot of a lot of uh, support and oversight uh, to that. And also, his other main remit would be the academy, and I'd be doing very very. I, I'd be doing quite similar there as well. Uh, just going back to the coaching part of it, like we would at any given year, we'd have between 180 to 185 teams um, across all uh, across all of 
all of our codes so that's the kind of scale you're talking about really you know from the very young up to the 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 adult um age group and you know i suppose before i came into the role i would have wondered like you know in in a club do you require the role i'm in and do you require the uh the the uh, and do you require the uh, gpo the gpo role but when you really get into it and you get stuck into it it absolutely does require the roles because it's very hard for a person in their own time like you would have in a small club to be to be to be running and overseeing all of all of the teams like I come from a club in Tipperary where I think we think there's 12 teams and that's hard enough to do so when you have 180 185 teams it just gives you gives you the an idea of the kind of scale that we have. And then further breaking that down again, I would always look at a role in terms of two variables. Um, the first one, and nearly the most important, is is, is what kind of uh, participation we have within, within our club. Like we do want to, and we are a space for what, whatever your ability is, Whatever your talent is, there's a room and there's a place for you here. And that's one of the main goals of the role, to always ensure we're at the very centre of the community and providing a Gaelic Games experience for players. And then the other part, we do want to be competing at an elite standard as well. Like our senior footballers won the All-Ireland in 2016. That was before I came to the, the the club here, our women's footballers. I think won it in two thousand and and five. The Saint you know, Hurlers won five in a row uh, a good few years ago, and the Camogie were highly were highly successful as well. So that's the kind of achievement, along with uh, along with uh, participation that I I would see as key variables to try and help within the role. Yeah, and I spoke to you a few weeks back. Uh, when you started and we talked about your plans for the rest of 2022 um we're four months on from that but i guess talk to me about your plans for this year in the role the rest of this year in the role um beyond obviously the summer camps took place a few weeks ago so they're kind of finished up now for the year uh talk to me about your plans for the rest of 2022 but also going forward beyond that what you see as kind of long-term plans for your role cool yeah so i think um because Augie and Paul, so the two roles were vacant for like, we club didn't have anyone, I suppose, in either of the roles for the bones of a year. And then you had COVID for obviously a period of, a period of time as well. So because of that, the coach education would have fallen behind maybe for, you know, that year or uh, that year or two. So ultimately getting our coach education back up to standard is a key focus of the role from now until uh, Christmas. Uh, we have a full program in place, and the first element of that is running the introduction to coaching uh, Gaelic Games course, and that is being rolled out in the next week or two. Uh, we're hoping to really upskill all of our academy coaches within that uh, period. And um, the ICGG, it's called, has replaced the OLF, the OLF, the OLF Foundation course. 
it's a really good course and it's particularly relevant for us because it brings all of the codes into uh, into uh, one course. We'll be running that in Column Kills uh, Primary School and that is the first um, part of our key focus key of our key f- of our key focus areas and for anyone who we don't get in that in that phase we'll be running a second round of ICGG pre-Christmas so um, definitely coach ed- education is a huge part of it and following on from that then I'll be running on pitch uh, demonstrations you know, starting in early November time and carrying on that until close to until close to a Christmas. That for me is going to be time where I'm going to get on the pitch with every coach really and just kind of. I suppose it's not a top down approach either. Like, hopefully they will. Hopefully they will benefit from me being underground with them, and also hopefully I'll benefit from being underground with uh, them as well. We have a lot of experienced coaches in the club, uh, in all codes, and I would hopefully see it as a working as a working relationship uh, between the between you know me and them. And I think that period where you know kind of when teams are gone out of out of uh, competitions really and and uh, championships, I think people are open to their progression within uh, during during that phase and i'll be using that kind of i suppose the period from when teams go out until christmas to really work very closely with all of the coaches on in the club and there's no better place to do that than being on the on the ground on on the training ground with them as well the final element of of that then um in terms of the coach progression and coach education uh, I'm really interested in a concept called communities of uh, practice, and it was actually on my job, on my job description, on my job description, as well. Essentially, what that means for me is, in each of our codes, in each of our clubs, can we become a little bit tighter and very clear on what is the progression for our players? So, just take take for example, uh, hurling or camogie or 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 football for example like what is the typical belly boarding player that we want playing on 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 our top teams and for each of our club sections to become clear uh, clear clear to become clear to become clear on that and for example even if nothing else happens that the uh, conversation is there and we have our coaches working very closely, uh, 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 very closely uh, 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 together because it's a challenge. And I'm not saying it's a challenge here, but generally it's a challenge in clubs. How do you get coaches working off the same principles, the same approach? Like, obviously, you want people to bring their own individual strengths and individual ideas. But I am a believer in principles, and I I do want this to become very tight on our principles of play and if you're on an under under 18 team in the club how you're getting coached not that dissimilar to how how our how our 
how our senior teams are getting coached and for me that's the idea of uh, communities of uh, practice can we become even even a small bit more clearer on what are the kind of teams and what are the individuals we want to produce and i think the uh, cohesiveness between our coaches is a key part on that so that's really the three strands of coach education between now and uh, christmas and the final i sorry and the final part of that then we're running a core values workshop with our coaches as well and for me that's just be kind of i suppose getting back to again like the education piece is important like what kind of uh, content we do on the ground is obviously key and important but i think why and how we do it is important as 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 well and i'm interested in kind of identifying you can call it a code of practice uh the values but really like what do we as volunteers as staff as club what do we kind of hold ourselves accountable to and i'm talking about in how we deal with kids and young people how we deal with the opposition how we deal with anyone who helps who we come across and really use that as the bar then right this is what we are about as a club and as coaches within a club and i think that's even important in a club of our scale because people come and go quite often and i think anyone that's involved needs to probably understand well this is what we're here for and this is really this is uh, again as i said how we hold ourselves accountable to really yeah. um I know we Sean O'Boys boys just came in there uh, while you, while you were chatting. You work very closely with Sean O'G. Obviously, he's the uh, new club GPO as well. He joined around the same time as yourself. I think they both you both started at the same week back in May. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you bounce ideas off each other quite a lot. But you, you obviously work very very closely with each other. Yeah, uh, Sean O'G previously worked with Clonagale Fontenay's in Rings End, and he's a uh, place for Saint Anne's himself in Borna Brina and Sean Oak is the position of GPO. It's just even kind of explain even a little bit clearer how our roles split. So Sean Oak is this primary school he he does the uh, coaching. He's in the primary school he was in primary schools um today I think he was in Ballyroan Ballyroan school and Sean Oak looks after the academy every Saturday morning and I'm basically everything else outside of that along with kind of with kind of over, overseeing and being there with Sean Og in the academy as well. Honestly, I cannot speak highly enough of Sean Og. His dedication, his his passion, his interest in it, um you always get the sense that he values the role he's in and as well about caring for the club, I I do get the sense empathy is a very big strength I would um, associated with Sean Oak. I think we see, I saw it all over the camp, um, you know, and I, I see it every time he deals with coaches and with kids. And I, I think, and I, look, I can't speak for himself really, but I think he would feel we have a good working relationship as well. And I really feel strongly uh, about that. I think in terms of youth development, coaching the games, I think he's a huge future uh, He's he has he has a huge future there, and I think he'll be a huge asset 
to the club, not just this year, but going forward here over the next few years as well. Yeah, and just to be clear, he came in, but he left, so he wasn't here for all the nice things he said about him here. So he's, he's not forcing uh, Timmy to say all those nice things about him. Absolutely, he's not. No. <laughs> I don't know if he'll even appreciate it, to be honest with you, but I said I'd say it anyway, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, and great to have the two of you working so closely together, obviously, uh, in such an important part of the club. Um, now, your appointment, obviously, in the role was uh, a major one for the club. And like, like you mentioned before, it was, it was quite a long time coming in terms of getting everything sorted. Um, where do you see the club growing over the next few years? You kind of touched on that a small bit already in terms of your plans for the next few years. But where do you want to see the club from a coaching and player development point of view? Where do you want to see the club in, say, even five years' time from where it is now? Yeah, pro- probably going to go back over some of the same things even. You know, that we continue to be a high participation environment in the club. Um, I don't think we can ever have um, enough of people playing because if they're not playing the games, I actually, to be honest, have no problem if kids are playing for any club around. I've no problem with that at all. And for me, participation in our capital city in games is GA's paramount importance for me. I think it's absolutely key. Uh, but often, if they're not coming to us in the area they're not playing GA. And I think that's why, you know, often the people might say, oh, we have enough for board and have too much. But I really don't agree with that. I, I, th- I think if they're not with, with us, there's a high chance they aren't playing GA. So that's that we continue to do that. We continue to grow that. And for me, probably growing that is, we generally have very, very good participation up until under 17, 18. And it's there we're kind of people drop off and that's particularly girls young girls is absolutely is there is a big drop off there okay but it's not just girls it's in both genders and I think um, you know that we continue to have participation but we continue to handle it well from that age on and I think even being a little bit more structured in terms of when a young person finishes there because that's a key point okay and that's why board and a big club like a big city club is different to a country so you think about it a kid growing up playing here he kind of doesn't he or she does not play with anyone else outside of their core team at times and that can be a strength but a weakness as well because when 18 happens that team is suddenly kind of gone they might have under 21 and so on but that's still that kind of Core age is gone. So how do we keep them after that? Particularly girls, I think, is a, is a key point. So that's definitely the area for development in terms of participation there. Again, I'm going to say, like, I would feel that we can and we should be competing in senior level in all codes all the time, really. Now, I, I know that's easier, easier, easier said than done. And we are. We are very competitive, sure. We're in two. We're in a county senior football quarterfinal on Sunday and the senior camogie team are playing this county semi-final on Sunday and the senior B camogie are playing a semi-final on Sunday and Kieran Rudden, he's with the minor girls footballers playing the county semi-final on Saturday. It's really hard to keep track of actually <laughs> all of the games around here, but we are competitive. But I think we can go a little bit further as well. Like I don't think the Camogie have won the final for nearly nine years now. The ladies' football are nearly 13 or, f- or, f- or, f- or 14 years. I don't think we'll ever go back to... like The Hurlers won five in a row from 0-7 
to 13 so going back to that stage is unreal is not a realistic goal I don't think and it's not because we're doing anything wrong but others are stronger you know yeah cool are more there kill me cuts so I don't think we should base everything off that but continue to competing really hard and the senior footballers really showing the way like that great day in Crow Park in 2016 so it just shows that we can we, that we can do it we can compete at that level and that should always be our aim I think within that then uh, one, other, one or two other variables I think about and we've said this quite regularly and we are acting on it but more women in higher women involvement within the club and I'm not just talking about the traditional women role of making tea and sandwiches or jerseys actually coaching teams okay because we still have even women's teams themselves like some of them don't have any don't have any women coaches like you look at the likes of uh sarka farley um you know that's an outlier though for us okay someone that's really like with dublin ladies football you've clear Butterly as well I know is with uh, is with uh, Dublin ladies footballers but we can go further into that as well and really have like as I said at our introduction even like why it's not just women over women's teams why can't a woman be over the senior hurling team or the senior f- or the senior football team for example like Cleena O'Connor former Dublin ladies football goalie is doing has been Dublin hurling strength and conditioning coach for the past few years so they're the kind of that is an ultimate aim that I, I, I would strongly have for the role as well. And just the final thing, just to be continue to be a safe space for young people within within this club, like particularly over COVID, you know, young people have struggled a lot, really, like the well-being levels of young people have been really hit. And young people's lives have changed as well. You know, definitely the life of a young person. I, I know I sound and like an owl that's saying this, but since I was young life for young people have changed but we continue to meet because I suppose my one of my previous careers was solely the well-being of young people so something that I'm passionate about do we continue to meet young people where they're at and not necessarily a top-down approach them I'm telling them as well as women I'm also interested I haven't dropped this bombshell yet to the executive or the chairperson but I am interested in young people having more of an actual role within the club here like I would love a youth voice on the executive um, as well but really develop young people's ownership within the club because from my experience the more you give ownership the more respect and commitment, dedication they show to the club is my opinion and my experience. So, And you mentioned the senior teams. We're going to talk a little bit later on because of the senior hurlers are in uh, action in the quarterfinal of the, uh, the senior championship uh, next weekend, the weekend after this. Uh, so that's a big game for yourself. We'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes' time. Um, I guess a lot of people won't know uh, much about you, Timmy. Um, so you're, let's talk about you, your... Growing up, and you're you're a tip man uh, at heart. You can tell it's not a Ballyboden accent you have on you there. Um, tip man from Clonalty, and uh, even All Ireland winners medal in your back pocket as well. 
Yeah, but just there's a lot of people on Borden who don't speak like they're from Ballyborden as well. So just to, just to kind of get that in. I met your own dad one day there and he was speaking like he wasn't from Ballyborden as well. He's here about 45, 50, 50 years. He's the only one now. There is a tip crew around and there's a word that comes after tip when people describe. I'm not going to say it here, but there is definitely a tip click around. There's no question about that as well. And have had a huge influence on the club here as people from um, huge counties really. So yeah, no, I am. I am from Tip. Uh, Clonty Rossmore is the name of the club. Um, it is situated between Turles and Cashel, extremely rural area. Two primary schools with eighty kids in each. Um, but at the same time, compete very strong within, particularly hurling in GA within Tip. Um, have produced huge amount of people that played. For Tip Senior Hurling, Declan Ryan, John Kennedy, Joe Hayes, in Butler, John O'Keefe, uh, uh, Dylan Quirk, RIP, uh, and I was lucky enough to be a part of that. Uh, I suppose highlights would be All Ireland with Tip in 2010, the day Lara Corbett got three goals mm-hmm. against Kilkenny, stopped Kilkenny winning the five in a row. I didn't step onto the field that day, but I was part of the squad. Uh, it's something I would hugely treasure and then winning a county senior title with Clonality Ross Moore in 2018 then the two of them would be kind of highlights of highlights of the uh, sport and career but then like I, I know this is kind of cliched but if you ask what are the real highlights of my time playing I'm 34 now I've spent I spent 17 years playing senior at home in a rural club you're thrown in there quite young so just kind of absolutely is just the friends yeah you do come across along the way third level and so on and really just getting the chance to develop yourself challenge yourself and I am a big believer you do improve as a person via how you approach and challenge yourself in sport and that's ultimately kind of the the main highlight for me is the opportunities, the doors it has, op- has opened up for me and the friends and camaraderie and the days that you remember over the years really. So yeah. Um, you mentioned Dylan Quirk there already, obviously um, the very sad news uh, a few weeks ago at this stage uh, of Dylan's passing. Um, I know from your own point of view and from everyone in Clonoty's point of view it was a massive loss, but I think it was felt throughout the whole country that the loss of, of Dylan at such a young age. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I suppose, how do you describe it? I suppose, had this conversation with my brother um, probably around the time, but I'm describing Dylan's, I suppose, relationship to me and us. And I suppose sometimes maybe only people that play themselves understand this, but you play with plenty of people, but you really, you really go to the well with few. And Dylan was definitely one of those we soldered with in every in every way um i said it in a piece around the time i think the weekend of it like he was someone i we trained on christmas day with we went to the gym together we went to the alley together we ran together uh we pushed each other we rowed together i remember someone someone reminded me of a, a session i think three years ago um sunday morning in the summer at home we were doing a tackling drill together and I just remember thinking he is bigger than me here 
but I am going to absolutely give him hell in this drill because that's the way I'd approach it and that's the way he would as well and we boxed ahead of each other in the drill to be honest with you but uh, right after we went back and shook hands after and that's kind of respect you know and it's kind of hard to understand really and for an outsider and again I'll find hard to say these words without getting emotional here and I've no problem with that either but I'll miss him absolutely dearly absolutely dearly um as a lot of people will um but he was one of those that you know you had a connection with because of the stories and approaches and attitudes that we both shared and you know, he was taken, unfortunately, like a lot of good people were taken far too young. Um, but, you know, the, the, the knock-on impact of that, and I, I did see it over the funeral, and I still see it any time I'm home as well. And I think this is the value of sport, and I know this is, you know, very philosophical, very cliched, but in times of that, people would say, you know, is sport important? Like, is it really... But I kind of say it is very important because, and it's not about the winning part of it. And sometimes, and we all do, we absolutely do. But it is the connection you meet for people. Like the queue at his funeral on a roast in August afternoon, even was three hours down in tip. You know, whereas what else would bring so many people together? You know, and it is true as well. Like, where in this country would we be without the GA? Like, we'd be in other England or America. But it that that's what does make this country unique as well. And it has its it has its like faults, absolutely it does. But I, I just remember reading a good quote sometimes. You nearly have to love the GA despite its failings and 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 the problems it may have and then you can understand how much it kind of contributes to society. And then even bring it back to the club here like I, I am obviously I'm from a rural area so I see and I value the contribution a club has but I also really see it in a city as well like uh, what would you know where would the community if you took Ballyboden out of here where would the community be what is a community you know what I mean and that's something I'm really strong in as well so yeah. um, well everything you said about Dylan I know it's a lot of people you know everything's been spoken about him for the past few weeks I think it's very obvious that he was a very special guy so obviously our condolences go out to Dylan's family and um, friends and teammates um, talk to me now about you know obviously you're with you're in Clonalty you lived in Clonalty um, when did you move up to Dublin and t- tell me about what you've been doing in Dublin over, over the past years as well yeah I moved to Dublin in 2015 um, I was kind of always up and down regularly though I suppose as kind of life is in Ireland a lot of things come to Dublin a lot of people seem to be in Dublin uh, I, I'd have been up and down for you know nights out in Camden Street regularly with friends and so on and I suppose I always liked the idea of kind of of coming up here and making it making my home here um, had a lot of friends here anyway um, Kerry came here in 2015 originally uh, worked in the area of youth well-being and teenage well-being. That's kind of where I actually previously worked for the GA as well. Uh, but also always kind of felt I wanted to expand my horizons, I suppose, or my professional uh, experiences. And I'm really passionate about young people, uh, uh, about teenagers. 
uh, my main work focus was with a, a non-profit called uh, called uh, called uh, spunout.ie um, youth well-being is the key focus of that I gave nearly nearly five years uh, within that it was a fantastic experience um it also like a big thing for me up until that point was actually like my life really revolved as it does now i suppose revolve around sport and and revolved around ga but i think that was a lovely period outside of that from israel in a personal level like it was really one of the first times i had actually good friends and this is mad to say about people who weren't through sport and through ga and i think like I've, I learned a lot, uh, not about myself, but learned a lot about, you know, I suppose, professional progress as well, and that I think and hope I've been able to bring to to this role here. Um, I, I like Dublin, like now, for all its problems, it feels like home as well. Um, I have a lot of social friends here from so many different counties, like we meet up we go out together whatever so on i think once you i know once you like the first year or two in dublin can be the hardest i kind of find like do you know before you get set in housing where you are you could be living in a not the best area something now not in terms of economic area but kind of being far from the city or transport mightn't be huge or like i love coffee shops is just one of my favorite things really drinking coffee you could be you could have to drive to a nice coffee shop it's like they're all little things that matter a lot for me but once you can overcome the first year or two and get really 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 competent get really get really get really settled in an area i i think that's a key and a lot of people come and go before that happens nearly you know and then like the final like extension of, of that for me was uh, transferring as well like I play with the Ballybones I play with the Ballybones Hainer Hurlers I trained with them for two years so I knew them all pretty well anyway but for me like yes winning and performing and, and playing are important but actually being a part of a community nearly is kind of what was a massive driver um for me because you do kind of get contacts and friends from playing with people that is you don't get in many other things really and that's kind of that was the last nearly push for my life in dublin i w- i would say as well you know yeah you were you moved to ballyboden so you were training with ballyboden for three for the last three years is that right no, before I, I trained with him in 18 19 then kind of covid came and then there was a year where I, where I didn't, I kind of, look, I, I wanted to, to no, not that I wanted, I, I was caught between two. Like, I knew I'd love to give a year or two up here playing, yeah, obviously to compete, but just to get to know people as well, like before I'm too old to do it, which sometimes I feel I'm not far off it now. <laughs> um, but then, you know, the kind of the, the it's hard to leave home as well it really is like because it is a connection kind of that once you stop playing you're different mm. you are like you are I'm a different person down there now and that is like I know that's hard to grasp but when I go up to the pitch at home I'm not the hurler now I'm kind of the hurler who's I'm the former hurler yeah, yeah. and that's and that's a different 
you know, and I was down. They bet Turles Arsenal last weekend there, and I, I was down there, and they won. It was a great. It was a huge. It was a huge win for them, and so on. So look, it's just it's a it's gas, and it's 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 only GA that's that that transfer is so. It's such an intense thing. But no, I, I really, really appreciate how Bally Bowden, Joe Fortune was over the team. I really appreciate how he made me feel welcome training at any time. Um, I loved coming up training with the lads like here, a hugely dedicated group. And it was just something I was really attracted um, to as well. And particularly just Joe himself actually texted me around, uh, Dylan Quirk around the funeral there. And he just... I just said, I look, I, I know, I just told him, like, I just found a hard to transfer, you know, because I, I knew he was maybe thinking I, I, I would, but he just actually replied saying, I'm glad you got to enjoy the times with, with Dylan that you did. And, you know, he, he knew, fully understood that it's not an easy, it's not an easy scenario as well. But look, no, I, I really love training here now I, I really love playing here and it's really good to just know more of my own peers more of my own age within the within the community and within the team here as well so yeah. um coming I guess though from from Tipperary from Clonaldi um before you started training with them I'm talking about like say 2017 how did you see I guess as an outsider how did you see Bally Bolton saying then does, and does that perception of what the club was back in 2017 correlate to what the club is now that you're obviously so heavily involved in it yeah it's so interesting like I suppose I got training with the team I got to know a lot of the lads um, Terry O'Neill is a party and Terry are kind of family I know quite well Terry was over the Camogie team so I gave a handout with them you know my partner was training with the Camogie team as well so I kind of got stuck in there quite quickly as well and for me, it's just a welcoming kind of a place, you know, but it's it's understandable why that is the case because people come in here all the time, you know. It's not as if, I suppose, the difference between home is you don't have people co- coming in, you don't have new families kind of co- kind of coming in, and it's the same kind of crop, I suppose, who drive things on, who do things with within it so like that's kind of now home is a welcoming place well but I, I did find Bowden a very welcoming place and you know you you could like you could um you you could find yourself being given a role here very quickly <laughs> and having a, having influence very quickly as well so look for me a welcoming place is was my first impression yes a large club there's no doubt uh uh how that as well and it still is obviously I'm I'm very exposed to how large the club currently is but then again when you break it down you know what I mean it is there's a core of dedicated people there as well who gave a whole load of time um to it and the club it does count to them like it's very it's very important um to them like some a lot of people here have given a lot of time to it as well and I know a lot of people would have known like the role that I'm taking up and how I approach it and the values that I bring to it is very important to them uh, to them as well and it's very obvious here Bally Bowden is a dual club there it is an absolutely dual club like there is you know all codes are very strong here you know the camogie the football the the, the hurling 
Um, it is a very strong, it is a very, a dual ethos is very important to people here. Now, obviously, that does bring its own challenges in terms of how to handle when dual players train, when they don't train, when they play games, when they don't um, play games. That in itself is a challenge and it does have to be um, handled well. But it's something I hope this club, and I expect it will, will always be, you know, because I would have always, well before I came in here, I'd have seen, yeah, Bally Bowden, like they're good at football, they're good at hurling, you know, like they're, it's, it is definitely a GA place here, you know, and obviously like hurling is the game that I have played because it's the one, it's the game where I have from, where I'm from, that was by chance nearly where you grew up. But I am, I'm a GA man, absolutely a, a GA man to the core. But also GA in an urban city environment. That's, I think it is, it is critical that the GA, and look, the, the growth in the GA over the last 20 years here has been clearly evidenced by increase in, participa in participation rates. Like you've clubs that have sprung up where there weren't previously clubs. Like you've Castle Knock, I think, aren't even 20 years old currently. So that is a huge. Along with Dublin winning all Ireland's, that is a huge success story for GA in our capital, in our capitals, in our capital city. And I see Valley Borden as an extension of that. You know how you know keeping the game strong within the area here for me is an extension of keeping the game strong within the club. Like I would love to see Dublin hurling push on and you know compete stronger within all within winning all Ireland's but that's because I see it critical that all the codes in Dublin are are strong like I was absolutely delighted when Pat Gilroy Dublin won the all Ireland in 2011 um it was Dublin's first all Ireland in too long and again it's for me I I really enjoyed that because I knew it would con really contribute to the growth of the games within the city but Dublin hurling should be should be winning more than it is you know and and enough work has gone in now to justify it and I do think Dublin GA it can it, it the potential is there to always be strong at the two codes or the four codes all of them and i i would say that like you know it doesn't one doesn't have to take from the other really is my ultimate viewpoint so yeah yeah um you've mentioned uh the senior hurlers finally obviously a big um quarter final coming up against uh luke and sarsfields it's the weekend uh next weekend um, how do you feel you've done so far in this campaign you seem to have a nice blend of youth and experience in the team as well a lot of young guys coming through and plenty of experience in there as well so how do you feel you are as a team at the moment yeah that's a fair point I think and a good question as well uh, we won we bet huge Plunkett and Nafina in three group games and unfortunately cool about us last weekend by, by six points in the end we definitely been disappointed with that, uh, with that uh, defeat. Uh, but ultimately, like we're still there, we're in the championship still, and I think you know it is winner. It's cliche, but it's winner take all. Next week in the quarter final, it will be an extremely tough game. They played us in the in the Hague final back in July in O'Toole Park. They were well the better team, absolutely were. There's no. Um, questions around that but I, I think overall it's been a good championship 
with uh, with uh, Dublin hurling, like the the ten team is very competitive. Like there is no, you see, even like I know we bet Plunkett's well on the even, but they were short players. They couldn't afford to be short really. And that even and Cool only bet Plunkett's by a few points, and Nafina only bet Plunkett's by a few points at the weekend as well. So it just shows like it's a very com, it's a very competitive championship, and I think probably the transfer to ten teams was probably justified. Um, the only thing I'd say, I think there's two relegated. It's a lot for 10. You know, like in senior football, there's only one team relegated out of, out of 16. In senior hurling, it's 10. That's probably just one thing I, I, w- I, w- I would tweak. Like Plunkett's had a relatively good campaign, but they're still in a relegation playoff. You know, so, and ob- obviously two teams goes up then. But I, I do think the transfer of of from 16 to 10 teams has been a healthy change just that's one thing I would probably tweak as well so yeah okay uh, Timmy listen thanks a million for joining us today it's been a brilliant chat uh, about everything about your new role in the club and, and your your um, life I guess uh, from Tipperary up to here as well best of luck to yourself and the lads against Luke and Sarasfields next weekend and of course best of luck to yourself and uh, Sean Oak in the, your roles over the next uh, few years as well thanks for that.